That was a tiny sip. I couldn't do it. No. It was too big for my mouth. What the fuck's going on down there? Seth, welcome to the 400s. Oh, I'm glad to be here. What's it like? Uh, kind of the same, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, we have we have renewed purpose here in episode 401 because we can main- yeah. we can maintain something. Because it's WrestleMania weekend for real this time. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for not saying anything. If anyone caught that last even episode. Because I certainly didn't catch it. Uh, also, uh, to maintain our new goal with the 400s, last week I said this, so this week I'll just say it again. Just to, to insert this content to the opening of the podcast. Man! Pooping. Pooping? It's messed up. I listened to episode 400, but I don't remember what pooping did I? Maybe it was three ninety eight. One of the last two even ones. We had this long conversation about poop right before we started recording. Oh, and I, okay. I, I tried to let it trickle into the, the opening. <laughs> Gross. You. So there we go. Body functions. The four hundreds. We've got four sides now. Uh, Seth. Hey. We've got some Transformers to talk about. Okay. I was gonna make a quick prediction about WrestleMania though. Well, okay, do you think, like, Shane McMahon is just going to die, or do you think he's going to just, no. like, break something really badly? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, my prediction is the match of WrestleMania weekend is going to be Bailey versus Asuka at NXT TakeOver. This, that's, as far as I've heard, that's probably the case. I, yeah. T- it's going to overshadow everything. TJ is guesting on some wrestling podcast, and he retweeted a picture of their episode banner, and it was just a big picture of those two. And it was like, our WrestleMania podcast. And I was like, okay, well... <laughs> Seems like things are going as planned. Uh, That's all I got to say about that. I saw a video of Shane McMahon trying to jump onto a table with his elbow, and I was... Well, he did. He just didn't he completely, hit anybody. Yeah, and yeah he, he kind of missed Undertaker, and it, it but like he, he made the jump. Yeah, so he just threw himself elbow first through a table, and I was wincing watching that clip. and Because I, I was wondering if he was going to do dumbass stuff, and I was like, alright, you're here. Here we go. Well, it was less brutal than... Kurt Angle suplexing him through the wrong window. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was great. Threw, threw him through the actual plexiglass window <laughs> and not the sugar glass one. Just boink! <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens after this weekend. So this weekend, I will go this and weekend, see if I can yeah, track a down stream. A, yeah, a big, a big chunky man. Yeah, the, that stuff Did was really Did you spend easy. your Easter Sunday looking for WrestleMania? Asked, wondering what you were doing wrong because i gave the wrong information I, I completely forgot about it by the time yeah, okay. easter weekend was happening yeah, the, the way i get clued in is twitter usually when that happens twitter starts like live tweeting it easter is, mania which is generally just people going like man wrestling sucks like that's what most of my twitter feed looks like during that that and why is everyone talking about wrestling are the two main topics of that sunday so that's when i get clued in i'm like all right time to go to reddit and look for some kind of dank glitchy looking stream uh as for dank and glitchy looking that ain't what our first look at unite warriors no. computron is like because this is a big clear looking not just a Looks clear look gray. at the at the gray prototype whatever but also yuki has been tweeting 
big clear pictures of specific stuff like Computron's head or Scattershot or Afterburner. So there, as we were theorizing in episode 400, uh, Japanese Computron has plenty different from American Computron. Uh, completely different car uh, remold for the car one. Lightspeed. Um, Afterburner the bike looks like what ours is going to be, but that af that uh, Strafe does look like a remold of their shuttle blast-off that no one has seen yet. Uh, then going by, like, Yuki's pictures, their Computron head has a mouth, which ours won't, and their Scattershot has, like, new guns and, like, possibly even, like, a new head that's different from the new head that we got. I didn't do any side-by-side, -side, but it looked different than what I remembered uh, the Betatron Scattershot head looking like. And, uh, and their Drill Tank Man, Nosecone, he does have a gigantic drill, and he does look like he's Rook uh, rather than Brawl. So there's plenty going on here. Um, Seth, this is our, our first time really talking about this, I think, on, on an odd episode. Yeah. Uh, how are you feeling about uh, this new option for a Computron? I mean, it looks cool. Um, Computron kind of came around late for me mm. when I was starting to, to phase out. But one of the things that I always liked about Computron was um, the more unified color scheme. Yeah. Amongst all the members. Not... Many of the Scramble City types did something like that. Um, so that was cool. And unfortunately for this Computron, it's kind of coming at the end of my interest for Combiner Wars. Yeah. So it's <laughs> kind of Computron's a little late to the party. Like, I'm ready to move on to Titan's Return. And I think I'm kind of feeling a little dunnish. So, with combiners. So like 20, 30 years later, poor Computron still can't quite make the date. Yeah, 30 years later. No. He's like... Yeah, he's always late. <laughs> always perpetually behind the times. Seth, look, I got here. There's two versions of me. and like There's so many remolds. I'm all ready. I'm all set. Like, yeah, well, you're not a headmaster. I'm, I'm already in the parking lot getting ready to leave. <laughs> <laughs> there's still 15 minutes left. They haven't packed up the punch bowls yet. One last dance. Uh, but that's not any sort of criticism about this figure coming out, which looks great. It's just I'm feeling like I'm ready to move on. And I, I'm in I'm in this really weird op like I think a lot of people seem ready to move on outside of these box sets. Uh, and even then, like some folks are just like, "No, bring on the Titans!" For whatever reason, I'm like, "I'll get the Titans when I see them." But I'm like, "Keep making more Combiner Wars things." Uh, I don't I don't understand how Combiner Wars has uh, clicked with me so hard. But I'm really happy to see that, like, even more so than Bruticus, like, the Japanese version of Computron is, like, wildly different from the North American one. So a potential double dip won't feel as, like, meaningless as double dipping on something like the, like Optimus Maximus or, or whatnot. Um, but yeah, it seems like Yuki is going to keep tweeting out individual photos, and he's not lined that up very well with our podcast because we can only see two of them as of this recording. So thanks, Yuki. Thanks so much for ruining the 400s within one Way episode. Way to go, Uke. Um, but yeah, we're going to probably see more of this, and we'll probably I'll probably collate all those great prototype things, and because Aaron and TJ are such big Computron nerds, we'll probably end up talking more Computron <laughs> as more of those things show up. Um, moving on to the new picture pick, Seth, I'd like you to go first, because I, I don't want to start screaming yet, but uh, you've picked out something... That caught my eye because I forgot this was coming out. Yeah, the uh, Warren Pocket Mitron. I guess they're calling it. Really them. hard to say. X13 
might Tron? Because there's no, it's not two T's, but it's like two going like might and then putting Ron. Like it's, I, I have trouble getting my tongue around. Might Ron. Might Ron. My Tron. Megatron. If you just hard the G. I like the soft G. There's there's four consonants in a row, in the middle of his name. That's like some Scandinavian spelling. G-H-T-R. Rude. That's a pocket size, <laughs> pocket scale G1 Megatron, by the way, in case anyone's sitting here just like going, what are you talking about? Well, it looks like a cool design for a Megatron toy. Yeah. Because the, the robot mode looks solid. It's got all the parts kind of where you want them. Like as far as like his gun sticking straight up his back and gun barrel. And uh, his legs looking substantial. Mm-hmm. But not goofy, and he does all the modes. Yeah, like uh, you could put the stock and the extended barrel and stuff to make his little cannon thing. I think he does a really cool trick for his legs because going by the pictures, like they they pulled off a real smart like folding up of the the yeah. handle to to bulk them out. Yeah. Now the handle in gun mode does look a little thick, but. You know, it's still a, a convincing gun mode. Yeah. For the size. So it's pretty neat. Like, I wouldn't think it would be terrible if there was a larger version of this. Yeah. And uh, he's and he's coming with a bunch of, like, clear purple accessories, too, that, like, I think they could have left off and no one would have cared. But uh, I like that they added in, like, that last little touch. Because on these, like, legend size unofficial toys, you, you need to pack in as much visible value as you can. Yeah. And you can't do Megatron without his purple ball and chain that happened once. Yep, and then his laser sword that happened for even less than once. Yeah. So he could fight an Optimus Prime with his orange axe that happened once. Yep. And then he can make that big that big cannon he can operate that happened never. Yeah. Well, it happened in my fanfic. It happened in my fanfic. toy catalog. Megatron's Canon was the title. Was it with two N's or Fan, one N? Fanfic. Fanon or fanfic? Uh, what's the difference? I don't know! Me neither, so let's just call it a draw. <laughs> Alright. Uh, I have... Okay, I've been trying to... Ever since I looked at photos of this guy, there's something weird that's bugging me about between the puff outiness of his chest and the placement of his arms. And I don't know what it is that's bugging me, but I keep looking at it and I keep going like, this, is, this looks funny. Like, I still think he looks pretty cool. Uh, because I also, I like the smaller unofficial stuff in general. There's something about his chest and his shoulders. It's making me blink a lot. And I don't know what it is. Also, I'm, I'm really worried that his shoulders might not be able to swing out much. Uh, but maybe there's like a separate little hinge inside there. I don't know. Uh, Looks really cool though, and I like that they they're playing their hand in showing that he's just to scale with that tiny Optimus that came out a long time ago that Kawamori designed. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it called? Hybrid style. Um, I, I like that they're just saying, "Listen, our Optimus Prime is the hybrid style Prime. That's that's what we're that's what our goal is right now." Um, this is out at the end of the month, I think. He's he's on my possible list, but a lot of unofficial stuff right now. I'm starting to go maybe i'll just wait till tfcon then do like a big in-person thing mm-hmm. get a bunch on my own are, are you thinking about any of this pocket stuff that's coming out 
Um, I haven't gotten into them yet. Um, at that TFCon Chicago, like that first set had just come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And looked at them for a good long time, but just didn't pull the trigger on it. Trigger. Um, Boop. Megatron gun. Uh, Not on his crotch this time. That's the worst part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't... I'll probably not get it, but I just think it looks really good. And uh, just at least from the looks of it, it looks like a good, well-done Megatron as far as being, you know, faithful to both modes and not looking awful. And and if some attempts at Megatron have. If the silver paint looks that good in person, too, like that'll be huge for me because I like a good silver paint job. Yeah, it, well, it looks like so. It looks like it's vacuum chrome on his feet. Yeah, that's yeah weird. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. Like he's got these super shiny feet for some reason. Put on his glass slippers for the ball. Yeah, none, none else of him is reflective. He's <laughs> like, I got lazy. It took so long to do my feet. I'm, nah. It kind of reminds me of a dude, like when I was still kind of new on TFW. I hadn't been around too long. I think it was an Australian guy. I got no idea what his screen name was. But he had gotten a hold of an old Megatron. And this was years before we would start getting, like, reissues. Yeah. And uh, it was the only way to get a G1 Megatron was if it was an old one. And the thing was in real rough shape. Like, just the paint was just trashed. So he took it to a place that would silver plate it. And got his G1 Megatron silver-plated. Oh, man. <laughs> Everywhere that he would have been metallic-y. And uh, it was really expensive. And I think I remember it looking pretty rad, though. <laughs> Just like, here's my silver Megatron. Man, I like, was... I actual was, silver Megatron. I was around then, but that's not ringing a bell at all. I wish I could find... I, I should go looking for pictures of that later. Um, I was going to say that I just heard on Twitter from uh, from Slayer's Hoop, we met up with, it. I think, the same TFCon. Uh, he was saying on Twitter he got the DX9, like, their Warren Pocket Devastator set that just came out. Mm-hmm. And he was talking some good stuff about that. I was checking the feedback thread because I love the idea of it, but the test shots that went out for review months before it came out, like, there was a lot of feedback on it that had me going, like, oh, don't let that be the feedback on this because it was stuff that... Uh, but up until then, I would have taken for granted as going well on the Warren Pocket stuff, like just weird connection tolerances and things like that. Uh, but all reports so far from people who actually have got it, it sounds like DX9 spent a while cleaning that set up. Uh, and it sounds like it's super fun, like a, like a perfect kind of desk toy. Uh, it's just like, man, like it runs for like 160 or something like that. Maybe another 10 bucks up. I can't remember anymore. But uh, I was like, man, I wish that thing was 150 because like that's... Like, I understand how it ends up costing that much. Yeah, it's 160 Um Given how much their two-packs cost. But it also makes it, like, just pricey enough that I'm like, ah! <laughs> um, also, they, they did a... I don't know if... if I'll, I'll try to find a picture for you. They did a, a super, like, G1-style box for it that looks nothing like their, their other boxes. Um, like, right down to redoing, like, the G1-style, like, everyone fighting in space art on the back, but with their toys. Uh-huh. Um... Oh, yeah, and here, the front of the box is, like, the front of the box is borderline, like, this might actually be too much. Like, this could get you in trouble somewhere kind of stuff. 
Uh, that should work. Like they they replicated the grid, the box art style. Um, all that all that box art is new. Like Digger has his scoop on his crotch rather than on his back, like the small toy does. Yeah. But uh, it like it looks incredibly like a G one Devastator box set. Yeah. Does a lot. Like I remember seeing the Devastator gift set on the shelves back in day, and uh, it looks a lot like that. Yeah, like the like that box I think is, is kind of choice, and it's like that's the kind of thing that makes me hope I can maybe I don't know find it at a convention for a good deal with some other stuff because that that looks like the definition of a convention toy. Like you see that box, someone tells you, yeah, it's a pocket size, like well done unofficial Devastator. And you know you're at the show. The box looks cool. You're like, they made a tiny Devastator, and it's like, all right, well, I'm at a show, whatever. Like, it, it looks like one of those just cool looking things people find in a dealer room. Yeah, it's like it's so old G1 box looking that if it wasn't for things like the big war in pocket and the different names for the characters it's almost getting a little too close to accurate, like a little too much in the trying to pass off a knockoff as real. Yeah. It's kind of like, you guys don't need to do this. <laughs> like this product stands in its own. <laughs> this is maybe a step too far in a, in a certain direction. Uh, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really happy that they're like, it seems like hulky, like held up the whole Warren pocket line for a while. And uh, now they're kind of cruising back into into a groove, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how all their stuff turns out. Um, I got my new picture pick is also an unofficial thing, Seth. We're going full pirate style uh, in 401. Um, Mastermind Creations. Uh, as soon as it turned into April One over where they are uh, over in Asia, uh, they put up this this image of a figure called Omega Ebrius, and this is the kind of thing that makes me start yelling a whole lot on Twitter which I uh -huh. did um, earlier today. Uh, it, it's, it's, it looks basically like a real stylized, like I turned into a little tank Omega Supreme style figure. And uh, I was like, excuse me? And then immediately someone told me, you realize this went up on April 1st when whoever posted this put it up. And Mastermind on April 1st tends to post up a preview of an upcoming toy, but recolored and like digitally changed to look like something else as a joke. Like when they when they revealed their version of Voss, uh, who turns into a sniper rifle, that was like on an April Fool's Day, and they had recolored the CG model and given it a new head, and it was like a real funny looking lanky Megatron. Um, hmm. So someone pointed out immediately, this is probably an April Fool's joke, and I've started to come to accept that. But I would just like to say <laughs> really loudly that uh, like as an April Fool's joke, when they revealed their RC, they had her colored like Predaking and called her the Predaqueen because they had just finished putting out their Predaking. And enough people yelled about it, like, a Predaqueen a version of that toy got as far as, like, a color prototype with a new head. But it sounds like it might not be coming out anytime soon. But an April Fool's joke ended up as a physical prototype, at the least. So, uh, all I'm gonna say is, I think I'd really like a third-party Omega Supreme of some kind, now that it's what, we've had about eight years of this chapter of unofficial product and no one has done one yet. Uh, my patience is tested, and now you're <laughs> dangling this, like, phantom cookie in front of me. Uh, I, I would say uh, politely and loudly that, he, you know, Mastermind, it, was, it would be pretty cool if this actually got made at some point. All I'm saying is that that would be pretty cool, Okay. All right, there I got that off my chest. I don't know, Seth. Would, would I don't know how much 
you might have cooled on Omega Supreme now that I've been yelling about him for about eight years. But what would you think about getting like an unofficial looking version of him? Uh, I wouldn't be against it. It might be a lot of fun. Yeah, I would definitely check it out. Right. And yeah. And, and then I don't know. It's almost like there'd be this weird moment where I'd have to ask myself, it's like, well, am I just getting this to like get in on Vangelis's whole thing? <laughs> like, would I just be like, oh no, I'm gonna do Mega Scream jokes, ha ha ha? But uh, listen, listen, yeah, Scream is for everybody. Okay, Scream is Scream is for everyone to take part in. There's no 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 per no human being would put would put a class system limitation on Scream. All right, no no good person would do that. Uh, I also want to just call out from the thread. So apparently, I don't know where it's coming from. People in the thread are just talking about this being a teaser for a guzzle, which was, uh, he, uh, he's, he's a big, he's well, not even a big character, but he was in some of the more popular IDW comics, uh, like the Wreckers ones that have come out. Uh, so a lot mm-hmm. of people have wanted to see a guzzle for a while. Um, outside of the, the Wreckers comics, he's not really done anything. He was one of the original, like those, those little Autobots that would shoot sparks out of their butt when you rolled them on the ground. Yeah. Uh, he was the tank. Um, so I, I actually haven't traced back as to where anyone here is getting that it's Guzzle, unless they're just looking at him and seeing details that I can't identify. Uh, but then uh, somewhere down the line here, a tra- TFW 2005 uh, administrator, Sol Fury, uh, said in response, because someone asked if this thread's going to turn into the version, f- uh, the thread for the real quote-unquote version of the toy. Uh, Sol Fury says, quote, Nah, this thread can be an archive of the joke. We'll do a new thread for Guzzle so there's not pages of discussion of the April Fool's Day joke before we get to the good stuff. To which I had to good reply, stuff. I had to reply, Sir, are you telling me that the picture in the opening post is somehow not also the good stuff? <laughs> Hashtag, where is my dueling glove? Hashtag, question mark, two exclamation marks. And I was immediately then backed up by uh, TFW News staff member Calabasque. Uh, who says that he too will also not stand for this censorship. So uh, there's clearly a strong support of at least two people for a Spreamer version of whatever this happens to be. So uh, if you out there are interested in a Spreamer version of whatever this happens to be, because you're a good person who thinks a Spreamer toy would be great, you know, make your voice heard. Because this is how grassroots begins, you know? This is how a movement starts. Hashtag free Spreamer. Type the hashtag. Like, don't don't, don't actually go shift three. Like, type out the word hashtag. That's how we do it now. Uh, well, now I've got that off my chest. Um, I can't remember the timeline on Mastermind turning around an April Fool's joke and then revealing what it actually is for. Um, so this might all be cleared up tomorrow. I'm not sure. We'll see what happens. Uh, but nonetheless, even if it only ever exists as this picture, it makes me ever so happy. Because if this is like a version of a toy that will exist, then hey, worst case, I can always get one and then just repaint it painstakingly to recreate. But what whatever. if the head is completely different? So that might be the case, and then I don't know. I'll hit up some Shapeways artists <laughs> and and spend far too long on this project. Uh, hashtag free spree. That's our new picture pick section. Uh, oh, there's one other thing. Seth, uh, someone in the thread uh, translated, because Mastermind tend to use Latin for their names, 
Uh-huh. Someone translated what Omega Ebrius would mean. Uh, oh boy. It means Omega Drunk. <laughs> and Omega can translate to large, so this guy's name would just be Large Drunk. Which is pretty good. That's pr- I can't argue with that. It's a good name. Yeah. Anyway, that's our that's our new picture pick section. Seth, we have some Transformers politics to talk about now. Uh oh. We're into the finals. Make we're Cybertron in, great again. We're into the in the primaries. Uh the red ball cap and everything. Um the Transformers Hall of Fame 2016 voting is now live because they've gotten to their final things where you can actually numerically vote on something. Traditionally, I don't really find it interesting to talk about the Hall of Fame when it's in the phase of just vote for a character because it's kind of just this gigantic mess. Uh, but now we have the 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 three choices for each of the three Hall of Fame uh, slots that are going to be filled up in a, in a week and a bit at BotCon. Uh, they added a hashtag to everybody's name, which I think is a bit much. Um because they, they went shift three on it, so it's very, uh, you know, very old hashtag. But uh, the, for the category of favorite character, people will be choosing between Galvatron, Optimus Primal, and Omega Supreme. Uh, for underrated character, people will be choosing between Inferno, Predacon Tarantulas, and Autobot Cosmos. Within a day, it was clarified that that meant Beast Wars Inferno, not G1 Inferno. Because <laughs> a bunch Darn. of people were asking, because they were like, excuse me, sir! <laughs> there are two very different Infernos! To choose from in this situation. And then uh, the third one is best is for best uh, Hall of Fame musical act. It's not best, just Hall of Fame musical act. Uh, Steve Jablonski, Weird Al, or Lion? Or a lion. Yes, just a lion. <laughs> <laughs> Please vote for the lion because he's going to eat us otherwise. Uh, the inclusion of lion in there has me curious because I'm like, are you including them? Because that means you've found them. And so are they going to then play at BotCon or something? But, uh, Seth, I figured we could just go through here. Lincoln, and... Lincoln Park not available yet? No, no, they're yeah, they're, uh, they're a little, still a little too highfalutin for our Transformers <laughs> events. They found, okay. out, they found out what everyone thought of their sound wave, the, and then they were like, okay, well, screw you guys. I want to know where my Imagine Dragons is. Where's that? They were a big part of that last film. Uh, Seth... Let's talk about favorite character. Galvatron, Optimus Primal, Omega Supreme. Where would you put your confidence? Probably Galvatron out of those three. Mm -hmm. Like, Omega Supreme was impressive when you were a kid, I thought. Uh, I thought he was kind of boring on the show. He had one really good episode. Yeah, and then his toy actually doesn't do much. (laughs) He had had one really good episode that was in season two. Let me just yeah. admit that right up front. Yeah. Um, eh, you know, Hoffman's Primal, whatever. But Galvatron's nuts. Galvatron's crazy. And Galvatron will actually kill somebody if he doesn't win. Yeah. yeah like, within moments of his birth, as it were, he just dusts Starscream. So, that's pretty hardcore. I uh, I got a feeling because <clears throat> I think I think I would end up going Vogue Galvatron myself because I I really like season three Galvatron, uh, but I think between it being the Beast Wars anniversary and you know Transformers fans generally are completists at heart and Beast Wars Megatron is already in the Hall of Fame if I recall correctly, I got a feeling like Optimus Primal is going to end up winning. Now are you doing the thing where you're not choosing what you would want? You're choosing what you think will win. 
I'm doing I'm doing both. I would vote Galvatron, but I'm not gonna be there. So uh, who is? I think Optimus Primal is gonna end up winning. I don't even have to be there to vote, but if I'm not there, like my interest is lost <laughs> in the whole process. Omega Supreme is like the pity one. He's the one where it's like, well, we'll give them what they yelled about loudly. Like that guy's he's not. I don't think Omega Supreme's gonna win. Like those are too. This it's too hard a fight. Like no matter how tall Omega Supreme is, that's too large a mountain to climb in 2016. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely gonna be. Galvatron or Optimus Primal. <clears throat> Omega yeah. Supremes that also ran in this situation. Like, I feel weird about seeing Omega Supreme as favorite character and Tarantulas as underrated character. Yeah, wasn't he, like, really popular? Yeah! <laughs> so is Beast Wars Inferno. Like, I don't... So is G1 Inferno. Yeah. No, not as uh, popular, though. He's the foil, he's the straight man to G1 Red Alert, who everyone loves. Tarantulas probably shouldn't be an underrated, but whatever. Underrated is... A, I find underrated is a very difficult thing to define when you start... I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, diehard Beast Wars fans believe all of Beast Wars is underrated at this point. I guess. Because, it, it, I mean, seriously, it doesn't get as much attention as, like, G1 does. Yeah. Rightly so, but, you know, whatever. But in, in the 2000s, Beast Wars got hell of attention like once it once it all ended and then we were in the midst of the unicron trilogy like there was this huge resurgence of people going like we had it so much better at beast wars and yeah and then they died out <laughs> those they people went the actually... way of the dodo bird they all yeah the, the ice age happened and transformers animated happened oh dear <laughs> Yeah, we suddenly what? started that getting... That was a good show. No, it is. Like, we, we... we got a really good show, and then everyone stopped, like, daydreaming of the past. Yeah, we had animated, then we had, like, Prime, which had its ups and downs, but was a solid enough show to, to talk about as well. Like, yeah, we, we suddenly had two separate eras of Transformer shows happen that were imminently discussable. Um, So, yeah, I, think it'll come, I agree. It'll come down to Galvatron and Primal. And depending on how hard the Beast fans campaign, and also how hard, like, Gary Chalk's fans campaign, I, I think Primal will probably pull ahead unless something crazy happens. What about underrated character? Especially with a hugely popular pair of characters in there. I would say Cosmos is screwed. Yeah. He's screwed. There's no way. Like, they, Omega Supreme and Cosmos should be angry about this. Yeah, I would give it to Tarantulas at that point, because Tarantulas was kind of a badass, and Inferno was kind of comic relief in yeah. a lot of ways. Like, it was all, ah, the queen, ah, whatever. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And Tarantulas is also, like, one of the advertised characters for the convention set and their convention comic and whatnot. Like, he's got... Tarantulas is the friggin' establishment, man. Like, he paid his way into... Like, he's like, I might not win favorite characters. How about you put me an underrated character? Gets a couple chumps who don't have toys coming up. All right. <laughs> yeah, like, I like Cosmos. I like him a lot. But Me I too. think uh, Tarantulas is, was just, he was just, of these three, he's like the coolest. Yeah. I mean, if I were voting, I would vote Cosmos because of the three, Cosmos is the only one who's actually underrated, in my opinion. Like, Tarantulas and Inferno are hardly underrated characters. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of just sheer popularity, like, Tarantulas is probably going to walk away with this. Because everyone's in his pocket! 
Uh, as for musical act, what do you think about that one? Well, I love Weird Al a lot. Me too. I have for almost as long as I can remember. But, I mean, his musical contribution was a song that wasn't written for Transformers. Yeah, a they song. Just, yeah, they licensed a song that didn't really have anything to do with it. And he found out about it, I think, what, years after the fact? Something. <laughs> and then he had nothing to do with Transformers until he did Rekgar. Yeah, and that was a um, voice. Yeah, so that didn't have anything to do with music either. Yeah. Uh, Lion, I, I, I don't even know what... They made, I, they made the Transformers movie version of the theme. That's their okay. Thing. It's but then, like Steve Jablonski, he's like a composer, right? Yeah, and and he yeah. scored all the live action. Yeah. He's and he scored, scored lots him. of movies. Yeah, outside of that. So I I don't know. I give it to Steve O or Stevie J, Stevie Jobs. If I were doing a pity vote, it would go to Lion Belonsky. I call him Belonsky. When you when you meet up with him, you yeah, have conversations. I, I wouldn't even call it a pity vote, but like I think I think I would vote for Lion because of the massive amount of nostalgic imprint that their song left. Uh since it was like the cool version of the theme song for many, many, many years. Yeah. But uh Steve Jablonski has even I didn't even remember they did that. So Well yeah, a lot of people remember the song and not the people who actually played yeah. the song. And and like if we're gonna actually talk about contribution, like Steve Jablonski has contributed way more than either of the other two uh, nominees. The big question about Jablonski's contribution is that up until Age of Extinction, I feel there wasn't a whole lot of, like, very specific identity to the music he was making, because, as, as I've listened to some of his other scores, like, his trade is making kind of generically solid cinematic scores. Uh, it wasn't until Age of Extinction he started to experiment with stuff like leitmotifs, which is why Age of Extinction score is actually really good. And I would it's like that's the one where apparently Imagine Dragons participated in the scoring of the film. Thus, I would give them a touch of credit for that, for setting good old the the Lonsky on uh, on the right path. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think Steve Jablonski's gonna win because Weird Al and Lion both can pull major nostalgia pull in this, I guess. Can't think of a better word for it. Yeah, and Steve Jablonski probably would get lumped in with the like oh it's from those stupid movies aspect, which is a shame because yeah, I'm just looking at it as Stevie did a lot more yeah than these other two. Like I would rank them: Steve Jablonski, Lion, then Weird Al, and I love Weird Al, but Weird Al didn't even know what was up at the yeah, time. So. In the context of where they are putting Weird Al, this is kind of like. Like, this is where he would show up to get the award and go like, oh, yeah, okay, I guess so. Like, hey, great, thanks, everybody. <laughs> I'm glad you like my Devo song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Devo style parody. That's right. <laughs> so we'll find out uh, in, what, 12 days, I think it is? Something like that? No, like a week and a bit. Uh, whoever wins what? Um, if you have huge stake in this, I wish you the best of luck with your ch with your your choice, your pick, uh, winning. I I don't have huge stakes. So I just like to see who gets what. Vote Cosmos. Uh, if you want to vote, you can head over to what is this a Facebook link? Okay. 
I guess you go comment on a Facebook post with the hashtags, and that's how you vote. That seems, that seems like yeah, it's terrible. That's that, a terrible way to vote. That seems like a lot more complicated than, than, a, than a poll, but whatever. I thought we had a Transformers app that was specifically designed for polling <laughs> Transformers fans. Well, even Hasbro forgot about the app. <laughs> okay. Uh, like we're winding down this whole thing anyway, so whatever. <laughs> Just use Facebook. Yeah, okay, well, that, that explains the hashtags, but holy crap, hashtag polling is, th- like, tallying that stuff up is the worst. I mean, I'm sure they can create a script for it, but nonetheless, it's the worst! Uh, we have a listener question from Malunus T, Seth. Okay. This starts off being about a show I don't think you've watched, or a comic I don't think you've read, but then it becomes a question that I think you could answer. So we're going to go full circle on this one. Uh, Maluna says, I thought the opening to season one of R.I.D. had a good idea, giving us the Cybertron-based adventures of two cops, Bumblebee and Strongarm. IDW has also pre- presented a nice side story with Nightbeat and Quark investigating the Decepticon movement. The idea of a space robot cop show really appeals to me. That being said, do you think we can get a Transformers TV show that doesn't rely on the human element and takes place solely on Cybertron? Or are those humans more important than I may give them credit for? Uh, so Seth, how do you feel about this? And also... How do you feel about the notion there are actually now multiple Cybertron-based cop stories for Transformers? Uh, I'm fine with there being multiple cop series. I mean, they're coming from different um, sources, so it's not like they're recycling material. I would hope, unless they're recycling (laughs) material from, like, Law & Order or something. I'm ready to wag this finger. They aren't. Okay, good. They're not. Uh, they're just ripping off like old Hawaii Five-O episodes and stuff. And who knows what even happened back then? Like, that'd be amazing. I just bumped my desk and made a racket. That's how amazing it would be. Um, but it, yeah, the the question on doing a show set on Cybertron, I think that would be really interesting to like really flesh out Cybertron as being more than just this metal planet that they came from. Yeah. Because, like, even in G1, like, when they would go back to Cybertron, you didn't get any sense that, that anything was going on there. It seemed like there's only a handful of Transformers existing at any given moment. And so that's a pretty big planet for nobody. Um, but then in Animated, speaking of Animated, Hello. when they went to Cybertron, there was, like, bars and traffic. And you really got a sense that this planet was full of things inhabiting it so you know another depiction of cybertron that doesn't just seem abandoned would be really cool i don't think they're gonna do it unfortunately i think that they that there is some sort of concept that it's got to be set on earth and there's got to be humans hanging around so the kids have something to identify with more well, uh, Seth, I'll tell you, and this only is in the first chunk of the first episode, so it's not like you have a whole series to chase down, but th- that R.I.D. thing where it's like Bumblebee and Strongarm are two cops on Cybertron, uh-huh. that's like a heavily populated Cybertron where they're like having to weave through traffic chasing somebody, and then like Bumblebee goes to a museum, which is like honoring the exploits him and Optimus had back in the Prime series, and there are two like they're two, like, museum guards who see him. They're like, Bumblebee, you're amazing. Why are you still just a cop? And Bumblebee's like, ha ha, yep. And, like, there's, there's a lot of Why are you still of... a security guard? Like, he, Bumblebee <laughs> tries to pull rank on them. He tries to pull fame rank. He's like, hey, guys, yeah, I'm the famous Bumblebee. I got to go in that other room. I'm like, oh, sorry, but it's it's closed. And he's like, but I'm, I'm Bumblebee. And they're like, yeah, but it's closed. 
And I'm like, holy crap, like they're <laughs> they, they don't really care about him. Yeah. Uh well that's cool, but kind of more my point was you didn't get a sense that anything was happening on Cybertron until animated. Oh yeah, yeah. Like um, animated did tons for that. Um as for like so here's here's the thing about needing humans. Uh, after Prime ended with a movie called Predacons Rising that took place entirely on Cybertron with no humans whatsoever, and it was really good, uh, more and more as years go on, I'm starting to feel like we need a kid, we need a human kid in this to connect the, the audience, is becoming more of like an old school, old thought notion. I think you need a character to connect the audience. I think it just has to be a kid character. It doesn't have to be a human kid character. Um, more shows I think are coming out that are proving like you just you need someone who is a touchstone for somebody who doesn't know what's going on and someone who's young doesn't necessarily have to be human young at this point like you can just run an action show with robots and have one of them be the young inexperienced robot um, however that's for the you know the marketing end, the, the old people with money end. on the fan end if the show doesn't take place on earth then you don't have any Earth alt modes, and all of a sudden, tons of the nostalgia fans are checking out, like day one, because a lot of I think that still a lot of people don't seem to be very interested in space vehicle modes as opposed to like identifiable Earth vehicle modes. And if you're yeah. gonna have Earth vehicle modes, then you gotta have humans, or this is real weird, you know. Like, otherwise, they are just in Earth modes over on Cybertron, and it's, then why would they be doing that? Right. Um, so, I, as someone who can totally dig alien vehicle modes, I think that we're getting way more into a position where they could totally do it. But then we're going to have to deal with, hey, maybe a whole lot of people don't like any of the alt modes. So, there's give and take in that equation. And I think I think a lot of the, like... I think there's a lot, not everyone, of course, but there's there's a loud number of people who don't like the kid element, who don't also think about the whole, like, you know, people who want just the Cybertron series, but it's like, but you understand that then the vehicle modes are probably going to look weird, right? Like, they don't have to look super weird, but they're not going to look like stuff you'll see outside. And are you okay with that as well? Well, here's an idea for structure for a, a season of Transformer TV shows. Yes. So every episode starts with a flashback to Cybertron. Like one of the characters, whoever your character is, Prime, Bumblebee, somebody else. Every episode starts with a flashback to before they got to Earth on Cybertron. And you get just like a short scene at the beginning of every episode that's all connected. It's all leading somewhere. And then the payoff, and then that doesn't pay off. Like you don't realize what's going on until uh the last episode and then or maybe the the second to last episode and then the flashbacks reveal a piece of information that makes the whole time on earth stuff like you just go whoa and then the final episode like pays off all that thing like it all loops loops around okay and, uh so Somebody else could figure out what that is and how to structure it, but I give you the bones of a great idea. Make I it I really like that idea because uh, two reasons. Number one, that's a whole lot like the first season of Once Upon a Time, where you would like have uh, they'd flash back to the enchanted forest and then they'd go forward to Storybrooke and then you'd find out, oh, Rumpelstiltskin had his hands in this too. Oh, that Rumpelstiltskin. Uh, and then also, so there was a common Rider show in two thousand nine called Common Rider Kiva. 
the whole structure of the show for 50 some episodes, if I recall correctly. Every episode, there would be like a plot line in the modern day, but there would also be a concurrent plot line occurring in the 80s, like 20 years before. And like, that was a really cool idea because it was like, oh, there's like, here's what happened in the 80s. And then we're going to jump 20 some years ahead. And here's what's happening now. And it like it all it felt like it was going to link up like exactly like what you're describing, that there would be this point where the 80s story ends going right into the 2000s story. And I was like, this is the best idea ever. Kamen Rider Kiva completely screwed that up and botched that landing, like, about as hard as he could. Like, imagine, like, Mick Foley got thrown off the cage, but he landed headfirst on a baby in the audience uh-huh. instead of on a table. Uh, but that's an idea that I've wanted to see come to fruition. Uh, I'm sure it must have happened. It, it has to have happened successfully somewhere else because it's such a cool idea for a TV show specifically to, like, have these concurrent stories completely separated by decades and then have their meeting point be the climax of the show, like a like a like a pinpoint, like like how you know everything focuses together, diamond shaped, right to one center point. Uh, so I would love that in Transformers. So what I'm saying, Seth, is that you are describing my dream show. So could you, if you could just go and write it, then that would be great. Well, I, I'm not that good of a writer. I threw the idea out there. Somebody else has to pick up the ball. God damn it. Uh, but yeah. Um, that was an excellent question, I thought. It touched on a lot of good things. Thank you, Malunus. Uh, Seth, shall we just go right into what we got this week? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Did you get any Transformers this week? No. Seth, did I get any Transformers this week? Uh, I'm going to say no. Yep, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I well, got... It's it's just like there's that last wave of, of uh, Combiner Wars out right now, and that's all that I've seen. And I'm just kind of waiting on Titan's Return. I got some Shapeways stuff, and one of them is pertinent to Combiner Wars. Pertinent. Because it's for Combiner Wars. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of cool. Um, I messed it up a little bit, but I think I fixed it. I'll link you to it. This is by Steam Shield. Uh, someone, and I mentioned these a couple podcasts ago, and somebody had commented saying they got theirs and that they were happy with them. These are a thing you plug on to the Combiner hand foot gun to give it an ankle joint as well as like an extra inch of height. Uh-huh. Uh, it works like a charm. I put them onto onto Sky Rain, and they're great. Huh. I messed up though because I wanted to spray. I got the white strong flexible polish because that's what the recommended material was, and then I I, sa- I sanded everything, and then I spray painted it black, and then I I should have re-sanded everything because I popped the ball socket in, and it was like deadlocked, and in trying to fix everything, I broke the peg off of one of the ball socket like the ball pieces. I was able to re-glue it and bondic coat it to try to, like, reseal it. I think it's fine now. I also used a bunch of shock oil to unstickify the ankle joints. But I'm going to grab them, actually, and, and check now to see if it's if it messed up after curing overnight. But, uh, oh, no, it seems to be working. Okay. So I managed to fix it. But, yeah, like, heavily, heavily sand that stuff before you put it together. Because that's, like, a very tight tolerance. It's very mathematically correct. Uh... But it's great. It, it just adds a straight up ball socket, very tight ball socket ankle joint to a Combiner Wars combiner, uh, which is exactly it's the, ex- the the precise single piece of articulation missing from the Combiner Wars combiners um, in their stock formations, like out of the box. And uh, unfortunately, Shapeways stuff is not cheap, but it's like 11 bucks for a set off Shapeways. But it adds the one thing missing. If you don't want to if you don't if you don't feel like dabbling in various different like foot 
pieces people are making. The only downside is most of the people who are like 3D printing or casting their own Combiner Wars foot parts, if they aren't perfect effect, their feet tend to cost very close to what these add-on parts cost off Shapeways. So it's kind of a moot point. But I really wanted to have one Combiner with just ankle joints added on, and it, to it totally works. So... If Shapeways is your bag, um, or if you like the hand-foot guns and you just want an ankle joint added in, this is, like, the one add-on I've found so far that does that. Um, so, that's my on-topic thing I got. It totally works! It's great. I also tried it, uh, like, using it as a as a wrist piece to add a wrist ball joint, and that totally works as well if you want to add that in, too. But it adds, like, a, a, an inch or a half inch to the length of the forearm, and that can look a bit silly, because Combiner Wars combiners already have kind of long arms. But if you want Menasaur to be able to, like, tilt his wrist to point his sword at people, then you can add it in with this. That looks pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, it clips on super tight, though. Like, the I forgot who commented now in that last thread. I'll go take a look. The comment said, like, once you clip it onto the hand-foot gun, like, it's hard to get off. Uh, I, I, got, I got it off because I know that uh, strong, flexible off Shapeways is a pretty strong and flexible plastic. Uh, all things considered, like, the fact that a, a, a piece broke, I think, must have been a Shapeways casting problem or a printing problem. Because um, I'm not used to seeing that on Shapeways stuff that's that thick. But, uh... Oh, here it was. Uh, Field94 is the one who commented. Uh, yeah, he said the secure fit is possibly too functional. Uh, it is really tight, the way it clips on. Um, on the bright side, like, it won't come loose. But you have to really... You have to know how that stuff works to get it back off. So be aware of that. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's a really cool piece. I got some other Shapeway stuff too, but I haven't installed any of it. So that's my on topic. Uh, Seth. Yes. Has got nothing on topic, but Seth, no. have you got anything off topic? No, I haven't. Uh-oh. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's okay. Cause I, I don't have anything off topic either. I've I don't even have like non-toy stuff to talk about. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Like I've I've had to like dip into wells of like other kind of things I've purchased recently that <laughs> maybe are a little interesting. Uh, I've spent money in the Galactic Heroes Star Wars Gal Galaxy of Heroes game, which is probably a bad mistake. Yeah, I'd... putting money into a freemium game. I mean, you do what you got to do with those freemium games. I was there with that Transformers card game that shut down after a while. And, like, one of those games shutting down is the best reality check you ever need. Because it's like, not only did I sink, like, actual money into this dumb game that, that, like, everything I bought in the game became meaningless the next time they sold new stuff. But now that game doesn't exist anymore. Uh -huh. That money I spent literally has been burned into in fire. Like, it's like I, I, I just said I could have taken that money cash and just burned it on my balcony and I would have gotten the same thing out of it. Uh... But, you know, Star Wars games probably don't shut down nearly as fast as a Transformers game would. So you're probably fine. They just raised the level cap. Oh, so they're in it for the long game. Yeah. It's also, what you're playing is not like a, a digital card game, so it probably has more legs. No. It's not that much different, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mobile gaming is screwed up. Uh, I'm trying to think if I had anything interesting off-topic that I could bring up. Uh, not really. Like, I, I found my brother uh, works near Kensington Market in Toronto, and he uh, went out for lunch twice now to this really good Mexican place. And I've been trying to find good Mexican food in Toronto for ages that isn't just one of the 
we have we have a lot of burrito places in Toronto. One of them is called like Big Fat Burrito. One of them is called Fat Bastard Burrito. One of them is called Burrito oh, Boys. And I think there's one called Big Fat Bastard Burrito as well, but I'm not sure. <laughs> and they're all about like two pound burritos that are like student, like the ultimate student food. And I'm like, that's great. But like, what about other stuff? So there's this little place in Kensington Market. Uh, I don't remember the actual name of the place. I just call them the taco place. And like for 10 bucks, you get this talk like four or five tacos with real like they make their chorizo in house and you can buy it by the kilogram if you want. It's like proper chorizo, proper tortillas, it's like the excellent seasoning, fresh lime is so good. So I'm all happy. I found I found really good and affordable Mexican food in Toronto. Cool. That's my big one I got this week. Um, But yeah, otherwise, it's it's uh, it's sort of a. A quiet week, and I'm, I'm I'm actively trying to spend less money this month. Um, I canceled a ton of pre-orders because uh, I'm just gonna take the risk that I'm gonna just find stuff down the road if I really want to get it. Yeah. Um, I've even been skipping out on some masterpiece stuff. Like the Shockwave just came out, and like he's just expensive enough where it's like I should wait. So we'll see what happens, but uh, I'm not in a rush. Yeah, even like the other toy lines that i'm interested in just don't have anything out right now yeah i uh i'm on top of it enough to where uh i'm just waiting for like the next wave of something if 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 i could if i could find an absorbing man venom uh from legends at the comic shop i'd probably pick one up but when i the last time they had that wave in i had to pick between him and gwen and i was like well i want the gwen more and uh, they're all gone again but they, they might get another restock what about Ghost Rider? They got none. They just restocked the Red Skull Onslaught wave, but I already have Taskmaster, so like, there's nothing else I'm really looking for from that set. I've only seen a couple of those around. I, they had like half of the wave at a GameStop, and uh, I wasn't going to buy them there. But they didn't have Taskmaster anyway, and like that's one of like two or three that I would consider. Yeah, like I saw a Scourge, or whatever he's called, the the other guy who Taskmaster shares a box with, uh, who's like a dude with a, a pistol and a knife and a machine gun, and I had no idea who he is. He looks neat, but I was like, yeah, he's not Taskmaster. And they had, uh, they had Wolf Captain America. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. And like that, I heard that's a pretty cool figure. But yeah, that's one like, of the ones they had there, but uh, I pre-ordered the uh, Civil War spoiler wave. Ooh, and so there's a Captain America in there. You're all set. That's that's going to be like a Chris Evans Captain America too. Yeah, right. I'm assuming it is it's a Civil War. Way. Yeah, you could argue that the build a figure spoils something, but it's that's a spoiler that I guess was deemed internally to not be a spoiler because like Lego yeah. Lego blew that spoiler as well. Yeah, but that's and, one of those things that could have been like a fun surprise. Oh, if yeah, you yeah. went to the movie not knowing. Like, like, given how much Lego was super coy about Iron Man 3, I was like, I am amazed that you're putting this set out before the film came out. Yeah. Like. And I like, saw some Lego sets. I want to say there was something else that I saw in a Lego set that was like, oh, that looks like they might be giving something away, but I can't remember what it was now. I'm all bummed out because I loved their Mandarin Final Showdown set that was like this ridiculous, like, garbage truck the Mandarin was driving. <laughs> and it was like this fake spoiler Lego set, and I'm like, why aren't you doing more of these? Like, 
like maybe that set didn't sell at all and that's why but it's such a great idea of like we're just gonna make up a spoiler that we know doesn't happen and looks ridiculous and like i think that's the best kind of joke uh it's like a little like 12 dollar set of like the civil war final showdown and it's just like iron man and captain america in mech suits with boxing gloves or something yeah unless it actually is what happens in which case i'm sorry i spoiled the film for everybody but yeah, uh, other than that, that's that's about it on my end. It's a short episode this week. We're we're in between news. Uh, we've got whatever news drops at BotCon coming up in a couple weeks, so there will be that. Uh, nothing fresh, even for me to really talk about off topic. As far as wasting everyone's time, I haven't watched any new shows. There's no films in theaters I want to see right now. I finished Daredevil. Oh, that's good. I well, okay. I watched that too, but I feel bad talking about that on a podcast right now. Well, all that I'll say about it is a lot of people were complaining that oh, season one was better. And yeah, I could see that, but I don't it just seems to me like I think season one nobody knew what to expect. And then going into season two, you have expectations now because of season one. And and even though it's like a better than average program, it might seem diminished mm-hmm. when you come in with those expectations. Uh, I thought they did a lot of really cool stuff in this season. I think people are putting Daredevil season one on a pedestal that's a little bit too high for what it actually was. Because a similar thing, not as bad as I saw with season two, but like when Jessica Jones came out, people, a lot of people were doing a similar thing of like, this isn't as good as Daredevil. And at that point, I was like, okay, well, maybe not. I don't know. Like, I thought it was as good. but Yeah, but they even said that these shows are going to have different tones from each other. Yeah. Like, they, they said Jessica Jones is going to have a different feeling than Daredevil did. And Power Man will have a different feel and yeah. everything else. I, I, Luke I, Cage, whatever they want to go with. I, I predict that when, like, the Luke Cage show and Iron Fist and, and whatever else come out, like, I think there's going to be, for at least the next two or three big releases... We're gonna we're gonna see like proof that my theory is I think a lot of folks just they aren't they aren't seeing the experience side of Daredevil season one they're just remembering that they liked it the most yeah and it's yeah it's it kind of sucks because I'm like a lot of the feedback I'm reading is like I don't know how seriously I can really like this is just okay like I get it like I thought Daredevil season one was awesome as well but yeah you know? <laughs> well I think the guy that played the Punisher did an amazing job oh yeah. Like, I really liked his take on the Punisher and just his facial expressions, like as kind of stone face as he was most of the time, just like the way that like there'd be little twitches to his head movements. Yep. And just like that detached stare in his eyes. Um, I thought it was really, really cool take on on Punisher. It's the first time I've ever actually felt empathetic towards the, the Punisher character in media. Like, usually, to me, the Punisher is kind of cartoonish or kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, or, like, just, like, dead gritty, and the thing that's dramatic is the story around him. Like, this is the first time, as a character, I thought I actually cared about Frank Castle as a character. Uh-huh. Which I think was super important, given that this is, like, not a Punisher show. He's in an ensemble universe. Like, you can't just have him walk around as the one man fighting the war. Yeah. Well, like... It... Yes, I did have some empathy to the character, but also just his brutality 
and and clear mental instability like kind of made the whole character like uncomfortable oh yeah like you couldn't really root for him or at least i couldn't really root for him but then also it's like yeah but i kind of see why he'd do that but clearly he has something wrong with his brain and he shouldn't be just allowed to run around out there but you know he's kind of getting the job done in a way so just the complexity like made it uncomfortable but not in a bad way like in a complex way they created the perfect chemistry equation where like you're saying like like it's so cool the punisher's out there but but i feel bad for frank castle as a person like you know a character person and so when they have, you know, any kind of big Punisher mo- moment, it's also interspersed with, oh, my God, like Frank Castle continues falling down the well and I want someone to save him. And like, I'm, I'm you know, heart of hearts. No one's going to save him because the marketable character is the Punisher. But they've made that into like this this wonderfully tragic uh, character base where like, yeah, it's just it's uncomfortable. And, and like you if you start rooting for him, it's like it's like, you know, when. When you're watching like a, a big dumb action movie, and and you it tells you you're supposed to root for this guy, and you're kind of like, yeah, but Optimus Prime is kind of terrifying right now, <laughs> and you're treating him like a superhero, and I don't think I can agree with that. And then you know you have in this case it's like okay, you're not treating him like a superhero, you're treating him like an actual damaged person. Like th- this Punisher story is kind of what I really would love to see the Optimus Prime in the movies go through, <laughs> yeah. if they just continue down the path of writing fan fiction for me. Um, also the Daredevil season two referenced a very, a very popular fight scene in season one and did it way better in my opinion. You know well, what I'm talking it, about? Yeah. It became a running joke while we were watching it that anytime a fight started to break out, if it was in a hallway, yeah, like the, the joke between my girlfriend <laughs> and I would become like, like, you know what happens when I fight dudes in hallways, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I was after I finished that, um, like, I really enjoyed it. And then I was also sitting there going, like, man, Daredevil's popular. People are going to want to cosplay that Daredevil. And I was like, I don't feel like a Netflix Daredevil cosplay would be real unless you also get the makeup done to look like someone had just beat the crap out of you. <laughs> that's, like, that's like part of Netflix Daredevil. Is half the time he's just bleeding out of his mouth and, like, Ugh. Well, I saw that the Mezco was doing one of their 112s for Daredevil. And I was like, ooh, and I click on it. And I was like, if this was Netflix Daredevil, I would absolutely pre-order it. Yep. But I'm just kind of, nah, on this thing. So I didn't pre-order it. What I heard is that right now the the rights for the specific Netflix versions of Marvel characters, like, no one really has them. Uh-huh. Like, they're, they don't, as far as I know, they don't really have, like, any toy rights going around. And I'm like, man, like... If you don't have that sealed up and buttoned up by the time Defenders happens, like, you have missed an opportunity immensely. Well, I'd love to start seeing some of those characters get mixed into to six-inch Marvel waves. Oh, absolutely. Like, a Netflix wave would be incredible. Yeah, like, you a have whole enough. Netflix wave would be great. Yeah. But just... And then even, like, some S.H.I.E.L.D. characters. Or Agent Carter. Like, mix her into something. Uh, just like leak those characters out a little bit i'm i'm getting worried that like the tv the marvel tv and netflix stuff is like it's not in the same place but i'm starting to worry maybe it's in a similar place to x-men as far as toys of like it's not in marvel studios films thus it's not getting priority for for toy stuff and like 
that would be such a shame if that's the case it would be um did you see the little teaser for luke cage i did i like that teaser yeah <laughs> that's a that's a that's a working man kind of problem when you're invulnerable <laughs> i'll pull the guns on him guess you haven't heard about me <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah uh, I, I'm going to get on a huge tangent about Daredevil if I don't cap myself right now. So cap it. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, it's been episode 401 WTFTFW. We'll be back next week with some more. And uh, our next episode is going to be happening before BotCon. So, Seth, I think you're going to have first dibs on, on BotCon. Oh, boy. Hasbro panel talking. It's the final BotCon. <laughs> I'm not doing the rest. You shouldn't. Eh, I don't. I don't want. Bye, everybody. Get me, but you got some badass perpetrators now here to stay.